We are looking for 40. Um, you've probably heard that number. You see that number in the Bible, and, and it's a number. 10 times 4, 40 times 1, 39 plus 1. Any math majors out there? Um, the 40 that we're looking for, we are... We have picked that number. We want to keep that number in our minds as a reminder that we are trying to reach 40 with the message of the gospel. We're trying to reach 40 with the message of life. Do you think there are 40 people in Anthem, in Andrew, who are lost, who don't have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ? I think there are more than 40 people in the, with the, within the 90 people I work with at work who don't have Jesus Christ. So 40 is not a limit. It's just a number. It's a number that we've picked to give us something to think about to focus on to think all right well I can't save the world and in fact I can't save anybody but God can and he does that through us by sharing our message through us so let's pray father thank you that we could gather as family as your children thank you that you reach out to us in love that you loved us enough to give your son's life for us and to raise it up again so that we can have life through him Help us to share that with others. Help us to reach 40 or 400 or 4,000 or 4 million. All of these are created in your image, but not all are your children yet. We are, and we want more to have that. We don't want to have people who come and fill a seat in our church. We want people who become a part of this family that we love to get together with, that we're comfortable with, that we know cares about us and takes care of us and looks out for us. and just gives us a safe, comfortable, pleasant place to be, even when life is not safe and comfortable and pleasant, that we can rely on them, and we can rely on them because they rely on you and we rely on you. Thank you for life. Help us to share that life with others, with 40 and more. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, good morning, everyone. Hope you're doing well. Uh, I am always excited on a Sunday morning, but I'm particularly excited on this Sunday morning, and you should be as well because I'm not preaching. All right. We have a uh, special guest that I am uh, thrilled to have with us today. Uh, his name is Chuck Thompson. He'll come up here in a moment. Uh, just to give you a little bit of a, a history of how I know him, uh, when I was at Apex Baptist Church, uh, Chuck served as the youth pastor slash missions pastor slash uh, outreach pastor and a host of other things there at Apex. He served as youth pastor there for 30 years, which is unheard of. And it was just shows the unique calling uh, that God placed upon Chuck. And uh, he's known in the area as a bit of a youth ministry guru. Uh, and so anyway, there, there's much to glean from him. Uh, to, to me, Chuck is the James Taylor of ministry. Not James Taylor, I mean James Brown. James Brown. That's the difference between James Taylor and James Brown. He's the James Brown of ministry because he really is the hardest working person I know in ministry I've ever seen. I am uh, the way that I am in large part to the influence of Chuck in my life. Chuck is busy. He's always active. He's always striving. There's never a dull moment. He's always moving. He's always on the go. There's always, always something to do for Jesus in some way to serve someone and uh, a way to share, share the gospel with someone. Uh, his wife, Debbie's here. Um, they got three kids that are old now and getting married and having kids and which just baffles my mind because I remember when they were little so that just ages and dates me quite a bit um, 
but anyway, uh, Chuck's here because he's going to uh, present with us a little message on something that I think all of us who do have a relationship with Jesus uh, need a reminder about, uh, a bit of a, a booster shot about what it means to live on mission. And uh, that's partly why Phil prayed the prayer that he prayed about the 40. We're praying for God to use us individually and collectively as a body to bring 40 people into a relationship with himself over the next year. And we want to keep praying that, but it's not just about praying it, it's about seeking those 40, those people in our neighborhood, co-workers, etc., in our area where we just live. There are 40 people or more um, just with us individually, let alone in the life of our collective church. And so we're praying for a, a mighty movement of God, a, a, a bit of a revival and awakening um, to see him move in the lives of people around us. But for that to happen, guess where it starts? It starts with us, y'all. So there's going to be a bit of uh, inspiring, hopefully a little bit of challenging, perhaps a little convicting that takes place here. We're going to show a quick little one-minute video, and then Chuck's going to come forward to... Um, to uh, present a message for us, but let me just pray real quick. Uh, Lord Father, thank you so much for today. I thank you for Chuck. I thank you for him being with us today. I ask for your empowerment upon him uh, to use him in a unique way, Lord. Uh, inspire us by your grace, Lord, not just to be beneficiaries of it, but to be streams of it into the lives of people around us, that there would be 40 or more that come to know the sweet, taste of your grace in the life of this church over the next year. And all this we pray in your name. Amen. Everybody turn around and look to it. Are you excited to be here today? I also look to the person to your left and to the person to your right and say, you look good today. You look good today. There you go. Somebody, some, I've been a couple of you had your smile upside down. Hope you're just right side up. I am excited to be here with you today. And I've known Rick Gutierrez since before his hair started turning gray and since before mine started turning loose. So we've gone through each uh, life together for a while. And at Apex Baptist in our student ministry, I always look for folks. I want folks who love the Lord. I want folks who love students. I want folks who are flexible. And certainly Rick was, was all the above. But Rick was one guy who, he just, who always wanted to go a step further. And he's the one who's wanted to, wanted to take the group further. And we are our big winter retreat a lot of times. And he helped us in all everything. And we, we have, uh, you know, five or 700 folks there. And Rick would be the one who would anchor the teaching for the leaders. He just loved the study, loved the research, loved to grow. And not, I'm not the guy who's, who's asking him to do things. I'm the guy putting the, putting the reins on because it's a stallion going after things. So been, he's been after it for a while. And you know he's a man of many talents. Yes, he's a great teacher and speaker. You know that he plays guitar. You might not know that he has some good dance moves. You might not know how he looks in a mullet. Anyway, uh, hey, but he does. He, he rocks it well. A lot of stories with Rick Gutierrez, a lot of good ones. And it's good to see my good buddy Jason, uh, Justin. Haven't seen you in a while. And uh, just a big smile. I think that's when I think about Justin. And does, just wonder, does he still drool when he sleeps in church? <laughs> just checking. <clears throat> anyway, it's good to, good to be here today. And I want to do something at the very beginning I've never done and probably seldom, probably will not happen anywhere else on the planet today. I want to read you something uh, from a couple of Irish laddies, Johnny and David, who uh, from Dublin, Ireland, uh, who stayed, stayed with us. They're two basketball-eating machines who spent the week with Debbie and I this past week. And it goes, Or nachher atau er nav, gnefer da anim gadogida reef. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. 
And Johnny and David are probably looking at this on through the link and stuff like that. And uh, our lives are richer because of them. And they send their greetings this morning to you folks with, uh, as we're meeting today. Church is a lot different. They went with us last week and they said in, in, in Dublin, they don't say amen when the preacher's preaching. Actually, they don't have a praise band. They have a choir there where they go to church. And uh, so, but today, if you, I appreciate the praise band. If you guys want to say amen, oh me, or maybe, yeah, that's, that's fine. Rick has asked me to share this morning, and uh, this is something uh, I haven't done in years in a long time. Rick asked me a month ago to share with you folks about, uh, about evangelism, and this is a sermon that I've asked God just to speak to me. Rick, I didn't consult a, uh, what do you call it, concord, not a concordance, but a, a, a commentary at all. I looked at a couple of the internet things just to get a couple of quotes straight, and I, but I've asked God to speak to me. So I've gone down memory lane in a lot of things, just some things that are on my heart. And, my, uh, and hopefully, and my prayers is that God's going to use this time, what he speaks through me, and I'm not sure exactly how it's going to come out, but I hope that you hear God's heart for us today in the topic of evangelism. Because God loves us. God wants the best for us. And um, I believe he's got something for us. So um, uh, just, uh, just, just uh, let, me, let me read a couple of scripture verses, and uh, we'll go from there. Matthew 28 are key verses for today. Uh, and Jesus, this is Jesus' great commission, Matthew 28, verses 19 through 20. says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. This is Jesus with a sort of, a, sort of a last words to his disciples before he gets that cloud ride into heaven. Sort of, sort of a companion to, the, uh, to his verses that he shares in Acts about the, with, with further, further words about this. And just a couple things to think about. Jesus says, go and make disciples. And this is a command, and this is a continuous command. As we go, we're to make disciples. It's not a project. This is a lifestyle. So as we're going, we're making disciples. And I love the way what Jesus said to his disciples there, and in, 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 in Luke says, and quotes him in Acts chapter 1, it says, And you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. Jesus' disciples had been with him for about 40 days. And they may be chomping at the bit. They may be a little scared. They may not know what there's going on. But they're told, you're going nowhere. You don't start this show. Don't start this ministry alone. Wait for the Holy Spirit. And that's the, that's the creed thing. If we, want, if we get one thing I say today, we can't accomplish the work of the Spirit and the power of the flesh. We cannot. You can say amen? Amen. We can't accomplish the work of the Spirit and the power of the flesh. These gloves, these work gloves here, empty like that, they can do nothing on defense. They can do nothing on offense. But when you put your hand in them... It was likewise with us. Without the Spirit of God in us, we can't do a thing. We'll be beating our heads. We're just in frustration, not able to accomplish anything. But when we put our hands in the gloves, they can, we can play defense. We can serve others with the power of God. And I guess that's, that's it. It's God's Spirit that works in us that, that, makes, that makes ministry happen, that makes life change happen, that brings transformation, that makes a difference in this world. And it's, our, it's being filled with the Spirit and God, God working through us that makes things happen. So... I encourage you to do that, uh, and just before we start, in case I forget, I don't know about you, but uh, evangelism or just living Christian life, whatever it is, it begins first thing in the morning and with our prayers, 
And I want to pray in the morning. First thing is, the, is the Galatians 5. Lord, fill me with your love. Fill me with your joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I know that during the day, I'm going to get squeezed like an orange. And when, this, when the squeezing comes, I want to drip Jesus. Amen? We want to drip Jesus. And I know that as I'm praying for, that, for God to do that, I'm praying for God to fill me with His grace, fill me with His truth, fill me with His compassion. I want to be filled. Because not only is this world going to squeeze me, there are going to be opportunities for me to share the love of Jesus. There are going to be some people who need some peace. There are going to be people who need some truth. And God's Spirit, that's the prayer that God wants to answer. You look in Luke chapter 14, chapter 11, Jesus says, How much more will the Father give the Spirit to those who ask? And God wants to do some great things in us and through us. Topic of evangelism, the simple definition of evangelism. Evangelism is telling the good news about Jesus to those who haven't met him yet. I can make that more difficult, but it's as simple as it is. We're telling people about Jesus who haven't heard about him yet. And we think about evangelism, a lot of things come to mind. As I was going down memory lane, I think about Billy Graham. Some of you folks who maybe have some gray hair like me, you may be thinking old school, watching Billy Graham Crusades on TV, black and white TV where you actually had to go turn the channel. And all those days, and Billy Graham would be up there doing his crusades and enormous crowds. And he, but he always asked that question at the end, do you know for certain that you, if you die tonight that you go to be with heaven and Jesus? And that question used to gnaw at me. And uh, got that issue settled with Jesus. That was, that was, that was good. But I remember thinking about that, about evangelism. I think about some comic things or some, uh, some things that, uh, I guess, I was thinking about one comment I've heard people say, well, that's what we pray you preachers to do. And God doesn't call, just, we're not, God expects more than the hired holy men to share their faith. He calls that to all of us. It's not just for special people on special occasions. It's for all of us. We're all included in that. I think about some witty remarks about uh, evangelism. The, uh, the preacher evangelist Dwight L. Moody back in the 19th century, incredible guy, shoe salesman, got rocked with Jesus and, and didn't, didn't turn back. And um, a lady asked him about it, uh, came up to him one day, said, Mr. Moody, I don't like the way that you do evangelism. And he says, I'm sorry, ma'am, well, how do you do evangelism? He says, well, I don't do evangelism. And Mr. Moody said, well, I like the way I do evangelism better than the way that you don't do evangelism. He said, that's good. But what I especially liked hearing about Mr. Moody was, and I'm sorry I forgot the town, but there's a group of ministers in the town that got together and said, we want, we want to see God do something in our town where there's a spiritual deadness and we want to see, see God do some things. And we want to do, bring somebody in. Who do we bring in? One preacher says, Dwight L. Moody. And Dudden said, Dr. Moody. Moody's the Moody's man. And one of the other preachers said, D.L. Moody, has, has he got a monopoly on the Holy Spirit? And one of the preachers says, no, but the Holy Spirit's got a monopoly on him. That's good. That's good. Think about some other stories. I remember, I remember the story about, um, about uh, um, Greg Steer, who's one of my heroes. Greg Steer started Dare to Share Ministries, and uh, his youth pastor, when he was a, in, in a student in high school, asked him, took him to the mall and says, Greg, I want you to sit here and be quiet for half an hour. And everybody that you see, I want you to imagine them with the words, bound for hell on their foreheads. And it rocked his world. It rocked his world. I think about some of the stories in the Bible, this thing about evangelism, about our responsibility and stuff, and the, the verses in Ezekiel chapter 33. It just, it, this, in, this in troubled me in high school and still troubles me today, gnaws at me. Where God's word says, God says to Ezekiel, so, so you, son of man, 
I have made a watchman for the house of Israel. Whenever you hear a word from my mouth, you shall give them warning from me. If I say to the wicked, O wicked one, you shall surely die, and you do not speak to warn the wicked to turn from his way, that wicked person shall die in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at your hand. But if you warn the wicked to turn from his way, and he does not turn from his way, that person shall die in his iniquity, but you will have saved your soul. What we do... How we engage people matters. It makes a difference. And it looks like God's going to hold us accountable, hold us responsible for how we live and how we engage those in this world. And being a watchman, oh, it's, if folks didn't engage people and you try to, try to do, some, do what this verse says here, it's not easy. And sometimes you, try, you talk with people and our drive is always God's redemptive love. Always, that's what we're driven by. We're not driven by a sense of duty. We're not driven out of religion. We're not driven by anything but God's redemptive love for people. But when you confront them or when you talk to them or you challenge them about some of the choices that are making where there is destruction coming to their lives, they don't always amen you. And sometimes they'll come after the messenger rather than dealing with the message. So get ready. But you want to lay your head on the pillow at night knowing that you've done your best to represent Jesus well during that day. You don't want to have regrets saying, I fumbled over here. God, I didn't, I didn't do what you should have done. And then something happens and you can't go back and, and erase that. Can't go back and change that. God's heart for people is he loves them. He loves people. Second Peter 3, 9 uh, God's heart says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promises. Some men count slackness, but is long suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And certainly you can add John 3 16, God, for God so loved the world. That is, uh, that is great. That was the verse when I came to Jesus by, and I'd heard that, I'd memorized that since the wee days of Sunday school. For God so loved Chuck that he gave his only begotten son, that if Chuck would believe him, Chuck would not perish, but Chuck would have everlasting life. And it goes from just the, the knowledge up here to the heart returning from our sins and choosing to follow Jesus has made all the difference. And I hope that you've made that. And if not, I hope that you'll do that today because God loves you and he wants nothing but the best for you. I think about some of those stories in the Bible about people who were the evangelists. And the first evangelist that Mark mentions is in Mark chapter 1, verse 45. And there's a leper. And the leper, the Bible says, the leper comes up and he comes up. Jesus says, Master, will you, can you heal me? If you will, you can heal me. And the Bible says, Jesus was moved with compassion. Jesus cares about people who are excluded who can't even go to the temple, who can't go to the synagogue, can't even come into town, have to have their family visit them outside of town. Jesus cares about those. And the Bible says Jesus touched him. Jesus was filled with compassion. And he touched him and healed him. And the, the guy is healed automatically, but not just healed physically. Jesus just rocked his world. And he says, Jesus, and he's wanting to go with Jesus. Jesus says, hey, man, go do the, do, do the fulfillment of the law. Go to the temple and tell them like this, you know, that, that there's been a healing. Get this recorded. Get it documented. And he, and, uh, but, the, but it's interesting what, what he does. He says, but, when he went, but he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter town. Enter, enter a town, but was out in desolate places, and people were coming to him from every quarter. He couldn't shut up. Jesus had rocked his world. He had experienced the love of Jesus. Jesus had impacted his life. First, first evangelist mentioned in John's gospel, the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman at the well. And this is something over the years that, uh, that God has stirred in me with. As I, when I was a kid, I read this verse right here. I'm looking at this woman. She's had five husbands, right? 
and she's living with someone she's not supposed to be living with. And I'm thinking, this, is, this woman is a woman of ill repute. She'll never be singing in the praise band. She's one of those who's not there. She's not one that you parade. She doesn't look like a likely character to be an evangelist or for the kingdom for that matter. But uh, when you start over the years, I got looking at things through hopefully Jesus' eyes. And who divorced people back in those days? The men divorced the women. This is a woman who has been rejected five times. This is a woman who is desperate. She is living with someone she's not even married with. She's, she's at her wit's end. But Jesus cares about her, and Jesus engages her in conversation, and they get to talking about spiritual things, and Jesus is reading her mail, and she knows all the stuff that she's done. And Jesus says, Jesus, they get to talk about spiritual things and about the Messiah who is to come, and Jesus says... I'm the one that's speaking to you. I'm he. I'm the one. I am the Messiah. Jesus tells this woman with a past that he's the, he's the Messiah. That's pretty cool. Jesus loves the people and does some things through people that no one else might expect. That. What does a woman do? The woman, said, the woman runs into town, and she tells everybody what Jesus has done. And it says, so the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, come and see this man who told me all that I did. Can this be the Christ? And they went out of town and were coming to him. This woman who had been rejected and desperate, she experienced the love of Jesus. Jesus amazed her, and she tells the whole village. And she hadn't even been to Bible school. The uh, tremendous story in Mark chapter 5, Jesus heals the gathering demoniac. Crazy story there, some powerful story. And anyway, just like the others, he gets on there. But after Jesus, is, Jesus has healed him and stuff, he had been, you know, couldn't chain him and stuff like that. Uh, and uh, he goes, and Jesus, Jesus tells him, says, hey, man, just stick here. I want you to go around. Jesus tells him uh, to go, go spread the word in the local area. The, the Decapolis was 10 towns in the area. And to go tell them, uh, go tell them about what, what God has done for you. And verse, the verse here says, and he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and everyone marveled. It's interesting, Jesus came back to the area later on, and this guy had blazed a trail. God used a streaker, the guy who had been running around naked. To, 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 to turn people around. It's just God does some incredible things. You know, and what, what I like is that God's still doing that, using unusual people or maybe unlikely people or people with a past. God loves people. Uh, Debbie and I, we do some prison ministry, and, and uh, Debbie's been on the board of a, a transition home when ladies get out of, out of uh, prison. They get to come there, and then they'll step back out into the real world and some stuff. And one of the ladies, I got to meet a couple of ladies, and this dear souls is tr tremendous the transformation that God does. And we get to be blessed, and we go in to be a blessing to them, and we get blessed by the, the stories that we get to engage them in life. And I was in this, the late, the, bopped my head into a restaurant a couple of weeks ago, last week, this past Saturday, uh, with, the, uh, with, the, with her. And I was hoping to see her at this restaurant she works at, and I didn't get to see her, but she uh, said, hey, sorry I missed you. Or she texted me, I saw you, but she was on break and didn't get to come out, and we actually was just going right through. Going through there, showing the Irish boys the, uh, the restaurant she's in, and showing, I got to introduce those Irish boys to Krispy Kreme donuts. I got to introduce them to pickled okra. I got to introduce them to peanut butter, marshmallow cream, and banana sandwiches. Anyway, good stuff. Anyway, I showed them this restaurant. But anyway, and the, and the lady there who was, who was Formerly incarcerated, she wrote. She texted me and Stephanie. We had a little exchange. She says, "She says in uh, November I'll be leaving for Jordan. She's been out of jail less than two years. She's already been on two other foreign mission trips. 
She says, I'm so excited. I love being on the field and being used. I love encouraging and uplifting others. I feel like I'm just passing through life at times. I don't know how to explain it, but the only time I feel that I'm where I should be is sharing the gospel. I get so miserable with a bit in my mouth. At the restaurant where she's working, she's not able to share as freely as, as she likes. She says, I want to pray for people and share Christ, not just to take their orders and send them quickly on their way. I, I look at people and I, I wait on, that I wait on, and my thoughts wonder, what is going on in their lives, and what is the condition of their souls? I know from experience that we can get stuck in a rut on cruise control at times, so we get overwhelmed with life and all the cares of this world, and then we start going through the motions of our Christian walk. We all need wake-up calls now and then. And she concluded, Lord, wake me up and set my soul on fire with you. Fill me with your desires. And that is uh, our prayer today. Lord, wake us up a little bit and fill us with, uh, with his desires and, and stuff and get us back on, back, on, back on track where we may not be. And I know in talking about the evangelism that we fumbled the ball a whole lot. I fumbled the ball a whole lot. And again, this sermon preparation is this is again God working on me, and I'm just sharing you what God's doing to me. And um, and a lot of times Satan wants to bring condemnation and shame. You loser, you fumbled over here, man. You didn't want not you not only did you want not even want to get in the game. You were hugging the bench. You did not want to get out there that day. In that situation, I've been there. I've been there. And uh, I want I don't want that to be. I don't want that to be. Uh, and uh, the times I mess up most. Or times when I speak up and don't do anything. We want to be in this, in this game and uh, watch God do some stuff. And God, God does want to do some incredible, incredible things. And um, I guess in saying that, today my, my, my prayer is just that we'd, we'd sense some conviction to say, hey, I need to raise my game. Yes, I can do this. Gosh, with the Spirit of God in me, I can, I can do this. I can be better at what I've been. And uh, that's, that's my heart for this. There's a problem, though, with sharing the gospel. A lot of times we realize we just don't do it. There's a problem, we just don't do it. And I could ask for you to raise your hands if you know who's, who's done it in the last week or last month. And we might, not, we might be awkward. It might be uncomfortable. And, uh, and we're thinking we can go for, just like the like, uh, lady said here, we can go for weeks and months sometimes, maybe even years, and not, not bring up Jesus in conversation with someone who does not yet know him. And uh, we miss out. They miss out. And as we do that, we think about it, a lot of church doesn't do it. And there's a, there's a problem. And I was thinking about this just in reading God's Word. In John chapter 14, uh, Jesus has got, these are the words that Jesus, in chapter 15, he's got a couple things that he says to his disciples. And this is, this is he's washed your feet. They've had the Passover meal together. Jesus is fixing to go be arrested. Then he's going to be crucified the next day. These are some words that Jesus says to his disciples. John 14, verse 15. He says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Verse 21, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Verse 23, Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and he will come to him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. John 15, verse 10, If you keep my commandments... You will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. Commandments, obedience, and, and love. If we love the Lord, we'll obey His commandments. If we obey His commandments, that must mean we love the Lord. If we don't obey the commandments, 
it must not be, must not, there must, there's something wrong in the love relationship with the Lord. There's some clutter, something is interfering with our relationship with the Lord when we're not doing what he's called to do. The heart of the problem is the problem with our hearts. Something's interfering with our relationship with the Lord. The article caught my eye this past, uh, past May. Barna Research Group is a newsletter they send out. And they're doing research about Christendom all over America. And uh, the title is this, Sharing Faith is Becoming Increasingly Optional for Christians. Got my attention. And there's a lot of things, and they go through some stats and stuff, and certainly they're looking at 1993, and the number of people who shared their faith has gone way down uh, in 2000, 2018. And the article mentions some of the struggles and stuff. The author, the editor of the Barna, of the Barna Group, she's Roxanne Stone, she says this, The truth is, most Christians are busy with other things. The day-to-day of normal life, jobs, budgets, sports, weather, and what's premiering on Netflix next week. None of this is bad, but the unfortunate reality is that most adults don't seem to connect the everyday experiences with their life. Or at least, they aren't talking about it. She goes on, Why are Christians so reluctant to talk about their faith? The overarching cultural trends of secularism, relativism, pluralism, and the digital age are are contributing to a society that is less interested in religion and that has marginalized the place of spirituality in everyday life. And she continues, As a result, Christians in America today have to live in a tension between Jesus' commands to tell others and tell others the good news and growing cultural taboos against proselytizing, a core part of Christianity from its origin. There are some taboos against sharing your faith. They're real. Last week after church, in a, after church, the lady comes up to me, Chuck, I want you to pray for me. I want to share faith. I want to share my faith with some of the folks I work, and, um, and I don't want to get in trouble. Pray for her to have discernment so she could do that to share, share Jesus with others. The article that was there, as you read, that there, 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 there's, uh, there's certainly the fear of rejection, but fear of being judgmental and disrespected by others. And the, we, we, in America, we love their, we, getting back to this, we, we love our American dream. We love our culture. I mean, excuse me, we love our comfort. We love our pleasures, pleasures. We love our security. And all those things are good. But sometimes, I guess, some of those, they can crowd out Jesus in our hearts. And as far as when it comes to sharing our faith, that's, that's something that the gospel is built on. Our culture sort of put us in some ways the way things are with political correctness and stuff and made it where it's sort of hard and limiting our salt getting out of the salt shaker and into this world. And uh, we need to, need to get after it. But, and I guess doing that, it's important that we, I think that's a prayer that God wants to answer, to get the salt out of the, sh- out of the shaker. And thinking about that... Um, the, um, some of you are familiar, and I guess as, as, uh, uh, as, um, as our culture as Christians, we need to get this. Some of you are familiar, familiar with Penn and Teller, the, uh, the magicians. Well, uh, Penn Gillette is a, is a devout atheist. And how are you doing talking about devout atheists on Sunday morning church? He gets it. He knows what we're supposed to be as Christians. And he says this, and you can check this on YouTube. And uh, I'm just going to read the, read the little, little segment that he's got. And, uh, but he understands what it means. He says, I've always said that I don't respect people who don't proselytize. And he's, and he's saying this in a, like he's talking to his computer, just recording this for a YouTube. And he sort of, some of his sentences aren't quite complete. And he says, I don't respect that at all. If you believe that there is a heaven and a hell, and people could be going to hell or not getting eternal life or whatever, and you think it's not really worth telling them this because it would make it socially awkward, 
said an atheist would think that people shouldn't proselytize. Just leave me, me alone. Keep your religion to yourself. How much do you have to hate somebody not to proselytize them? How much do you have to hate somebody to believe that everlasting life is possible and not tell them that? He says, I mean, if I believe beyond a shadow of a doubt that a truck was coming at you and, and, didn't, and you didn't believe it, and that truck was bearing down on you, there's a certain point where I tackle you. And this is much more important than that. And YouTube, beside that, if you Google that, it's just this one that says, no, uh, uh, um, it's Penn Jillette, no proselytizer. There's a, there's a comment beside that where he's in conversation with a, a believer who does get it and comes up to him, the devout atheist. And he does it in a very respectful manner. He's written him a note in little Gideon's Bible. And he says, I respect this guy. He looked at me in the eye. He wasn't timid. He was respectful, gentle, and kind. I respected that. This is what Christians are supposed to do. This is what we're supposed to do. Why do we do this? Why do we do it? Well, we don't do it for a lot of things to get in our, get in our ways. Why should we do it? This is, the, uh, this, this is the game changer, understanding why we do this. Um, i got three kids. I'm used to answering the question why. I was in student ministry for a while. I'm understanding the question why. On June 30th, I'm going to be on a football field telling guys out there who are fixing to start August practice in 90-degree weather why they're out there. And they're going to stay out there when nobody's got a gun to their head. And we get the why of evangelism and following Jesus. Nobody's got a gun to our head. We want to do this. Number one, why do we do this? We do this because Jesus commanded, to it, commanded us to do it. And, folks, that should be enough. That should be enough right there because Jesus is God and we're not. If he's God, we're not. We need to listen to what he says. But when we need to remember when he's t Jesus is telling something, when God's word tells us something, he's doing it for two reasons always, to protect us and to provide for us. And when you got, God wants to protect us from destroying our relationship with him, with other folks, and with ourselves. If you've if you got a kid and your kids are out there and you tell them, don't play in the freeway because you don't want them to destroy their lives. God tells us, hey, don't, don't commit adultery, don't steal. That destroys our relationship with God. That destroys our relationship with others. There are consequences there. There's guilt for us. God doesn't want that. He tells us, no, to protect us. He tells us to do some things like sharing our faith to provide for us. See, God, Jesus says, I didn't, he says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's the devil. He says, I came to give you life. So many people in this world are just existing. Jesus wants us to live. And when we do what he's created us to do, 2 Corinthians 2, to, uh, uh, Ephesians 2.10, we're created for the good works. When we do what we're created to do, we come alive, and we get to see God do some incredible things, and we get to be a part of God doing some, we see that God does some incredible things just through ordinary stuff. So we want to do it just because God says, and when we do what, what Jesus says doing, especially in evangelism, we can come alive. We do this because, this is second, because this is, this is who we are. We are ambassadors for Christ, 2 Corinthians 5.20. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal to us. And the whole identity question, this is, this is a big one right here as well, realizing who we are. As a Christian, the Bible says that we are new creations in Christ. We are sons and daughters of the king. We are joint heirs with Jesus. The Bible calls us saint. Look at the person to your left and right. You're a saint. All right, who's asleep? All right, that's what this is. Look, your Bible says, the Bible says we are saints. That's who Paul talks to people. If you look in the mirror in the morning and you say, well, I'm just a sinner saved by the grace of God. You can argue that physically. You can argue that theologically, yeah, because sinners and people are sin. If you lie, you're a liar. But, but, but if, you, if you do that, if you do that, that's a fatalistic view. Well, I'm a sinner, so I'm just going to sin. That's what sinners do. 
And that, that is, if you, if you look at your life like that, your life is going to be characterized by sin. It's going to be the norm. It's going to be the rule. But if you look at your life in the mirror in the morning, you say, I'm an ambassador for Christ. I am a new creation. I am the salt and the light of the earth. I am joined over Jesus. I'm a child of the king. I am somebody on mission. It's a game changer. And when you see yourself as who God sees us, look at our identity with that. We, our lives will be characterized by righteousness, and sin's going to be the exception. We want to realize who we are and play in that game. And our desire, our, our goal, guys, is, guys and gals, is to represent Jesus because this world has a lot of twisted views about who Jesus is. And I love seeing people get it or just get a, a little bit of taste of this. I was in Walmart a while back. This was funny. And, uh, and a lot of crazy things. You know, you can go on a foreign mission trip and just go to Walmart, and you can do that. And I was talking with a lady who was there, and she was a, and wasn't disrupting her work. And I noticed she was putting up stuff on the shelf, and I just struck conversation with her. And she's from Morocco. And if you're from Morocco, 97% of people from are Muslim there. Chances are good she's Muslim. Just struck conversation. Where are you from, Morocco? Oh, man, so here it's a great place for vacation. Yeah, she's talking about this. It's good. How long have you been here in the States? Six months. Did you got your family? No. You came over here without your family? I said, do you have many friends? No. Do you ever get lonely? Yes. Just striking conversation. We talked there for a little bit, and I prayed for her. And just reminded Lord, that God uh, made this gal always know that you love her and you want nothing but the best for her. Just some simple stuff, simple stuff. I go around the corner. I go around this corner, and there's this big guy. He says, hey, you prayed for my, my friend so-and-so. She's Muslim. And I'm thinking, okay. This guy has a, this guy's about six, seven. This guy has an African accent. This guy's from Somalia. He's going to go out to his truck. He's going to get a machete and come back and kill me. I'm just wondering, what's this? He says, you, you prayed for my friend. She's a Muslim. And I said, God loves Muslims. And he says, yes, he does. Will you pray for me? It was, uh, it was just, you know, just, you get to do some things. But a lot of people have, we, have missed, we don't get the pictures about God because of people we've seen who are stuck on religion who aren't stuck on, who don't have a relationship with Jesus. God freed me from religion to love people and to represent Jesus. I think about that because one, when I was in a service station a while back and uh, eating my chili cheese dogs uh, and, uh, and investing my time because there was a tree down in the road and I couldn't get to my house. And I prayed for the lady behind the counter and stuff, and it was, that was cool. And there was a guy comes in, and I was out of the way and stuff. And I said, I'm going to pray for him. I said, hey, my name is Chuck, and I love to pray for people. I love Jesus. I love to pray for people. Is anything I can pray for you about? Just real simple. And I sort of standing beside the door. And this guy goes, F Jesus. And then he runs through the door, F God. And the place gets real quiet. And the guy coming in the door has got big eyes. What's well, just happened here? Somebody in this guy's past has misrepresented who Jesus is. We're Jesus' ambassadors. We want to represent him well. We want to represent him in his love, in his truth, and in his power. Amen? We want to do that. We get to do that. We get to do that. And we come alive when we share Jesus. It's a privilege to do that. We come alive when we share Jesus. We've got to move fast. And uh, when you share, some, share Jesus with somebody, it'll rock your world. I hope that wish for that experience for every one of you because uh, that's what Jesus wants. He wants to do it. And you will come alive and um, get, to see, get to be a part of what God's doing. The video that you showed first thing this morning was great. Being a part of that. Sometimes you're the one who's sharing. Sometimes you might be the one who gets to, gets to lead that person to the Lord. And it's good stuff. You want to be a part of that. 
Yes, number four, we're going to all give an account to our lives for Jesus. We, that's, that's what it sounds like, Ezekiel. But we're all going to give an account for the Lord. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive what is due, uh, what is due for, uh, for what he has done in the body, good or evil. When we come to, come to Jesus at the end of our days, well, I don't want to come empty-handed. If I'm not bringing some people with me, uh, I, don't, I shouldn't expect to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. I'll be bringing people with me. But the deal is to share Jesus. And these are just five answers off the top of my head. We share Jesus to express our gratitude to others. Jesus has freed me from the penalty of sin. He's freed me from the power of sin, the presence of sin in my life. Jesus has forgiven me of all that, but Jesus has freed me from me. I know who I could be except for the grace of God. I know that I could be the one that people are visiting on Monday nights in prison. Rather, I could be on that side of the bar. I know what kind of scuzzball I could be were it not for, the, for, the, for, God, for God. I know that I could be stuck in religion if it were not for who Jesus, what Jesus has done. So I tell other people because i got something good to share. I know what he saved me from. Not just from my sins. He saved me from me. Because I know what kind of mess I could be in and would be in without, apart from him. How do we share our faith? This is not the, not the teaching seminar for this, but I encourage you. It's thing about just work on your testimony. Paul shares his salvation testimony three times in the book of Acts. You want to tell what your life was like before you became a follower of Jesus, how you became a follower of Jesus, and the difference that Jesus makes in your life right now. I encourage you to spend a few times to do that. And as you're engaging with people, do that as you're doing that. Uh, look for those connection points to build your story with their story and point them to Jesus. And as you look into that, the next, story, the next thing is the gospel presentation. Uh, over the years, I don't know about you, I grew up in a real small church in rural North Carolina, population still only 800 and something. We've got four stoplights at one intersection. Anyway, it's a real small town. And the preachers always, look, always, always, always tell us, we've got to go share our faith, but the church didn't do a whole lot to, to equip us. I, I, I think he might have mentioned the Romans Road or something back then, but I don't think I ever, I never had a class on that or anything like that. But I, and so, um, anyway, you want to learn. And there's a lot of tools and a lot of great things, and Pastor Rick would love to help you in this, but I encourage you this one, the three circles, that is, um, that is, uh, it's, it's, it's jumped off of, um, the work that um, Jimmy Scroggins and the guys are in West Palm Beach, Florida. And it's just a simple thing. And, and I'll, I'll go through this real fast. But you can, uh, Rick's going to have, the, um, have the, uh, the YouTube link. It's only three minutes long. He's going to have, uh, have it for you on, the, on, his, uh, on the Facebook. He's going to put that. And I'm just going to run through this super fast, just like I did last Tuesday. Uh, excuse me, Friday before, Friday before last at Cary Town Center with another guy. There's a lady, lady friend of mine who wanted to... Um, to uh, get some practice sharing our faith. So we went over to Cary Town Center, and we're talking about people, and there's a guy right there. And I knew this guy needed Jesus. He was breathing. So we go up to him, and, we go, and we, as we go up to him, I said, hey, I'm, my name is Chuck, this is Amy, and we're just out walking around praying for folks. Today, there's anything we can pray for you about. Struck conversation, we prayed for him. Ask him the question right after that. Hey, would you describe, and crazy stories come out, it was, and we, as he's talking about some things, and he says, or, uh, we asked him a question, are you, would you describe yourself as near or far from God? And he said, well, pretty close, but he shared some things. He said, this guy is not, uh, not, not plugged in with Jesus. He said, can we, tell, can we show you something that's made a difference in our lives? So we did this, this is the three-circle evangelism, three-circle diagram. And it started out with the drawing circle brokenness, describing how our life is broken and how this world is broken. We've got people shooting each other at schools. We've got people doing this. We've got people doing this. There's brokenness in our lives. There's brokenness in this world. We back them up, but God did not design it like that to start with. 
sin came into this world with Adam and Eve, and since sins come into this world, there is brokenness. God created us with harmony with Him, harmony with each other, harmony with ourselves. Sin has broken that. The things we say, the things we do that are displeasing to God, things we think that are displeasing to God, and when we don't, and when we don't um, do what's right, that's sin as well. God loves us and is not happy with our brokenness. He sent His Son, Jesus, uh, into this world. As He sent His Son, Jesus, Jesus lived in this world not just to show us what God is like and not to, not to, um, uh, to uh, teach us how we should live. He, showed, he came to that, die on the cross to be a perfect sacrifice for our sins. And, and uh, He died and He rose again. You'll see the arrows in the other diagram. He rose again showing that God had put His stamp of approval. He had received the payment for our sins. And as he's done that, this, this, but you, we know all this. We know about the Christmas story. We know about, we've heard about Jesus. We've heard about the resurrection. None of that makes a difference unless we turn from our sins and place our faith and, and choose to follow Jesus. We talked about that right there. And as we did that, I was shared, shared, this, shared this about this turn, turning, from our, this turning from our sins, repentance, and choosing to follow Jesus. When we do that, we, we, we're restored into right relationship with God. God forgives us for our sins. God cleanses our conscience. And God, God restores us back here where we were in our relationship we're going to start with. And when we do that, God calls us to, to grow in our relationship with who Jesus is, grow in our understanding. And then he tells us to go and help rescue those from brokenness. You'll love seeing this video online. And it's uh, three minutes, but it's a, it's a good, good deal. I encourage you to do that. Oh, by the way, yeah, we shared this with the guy, uh, random, and he got saved. Afraid to receive Christ that day. So, yes, you can do it. We want to know people. And, but stuff, God's got divine appointments for us. And this guy had been through some stuff. And um, it was, some days aren't so good. Uh, the, I'd been to Cary Town Center a few days, uh, a couple weeks earlier. And, uh, gosh, I'd been blown off by a Buddhist. I'd been shut down by, by a Hindu. I'd uh, had a conversation with a Muslim that got interrupted. I got to pray for three, college, three high school guys at Cary. And there's one woman I went up to, and she says, I asked her, I says, Ma'am, have you ever, anybody ever shared the gospel with you? And she says, yes, more times than I've cared for. That's your cue to leave. Ooh, anyway, that was cold. Some people are like that. The, the gospel message is offensive. It tells us to die to ourselves and follow this God that we can't see. I'm batting at least 750, if not 800. You, you're, you're, you're driven by God's love. People respond to that. There's some people who are hard-hearted. Yeah, there's There's stuff. And, uh, but we want, to, we want to represent Jesus well. The blessed strategy is the, is the best one. This is, this is the whole deal. This is for us. This is a lifestyle part. When we wake up in the morning, we're going to begin with prayers to start with. Uh, and as far as, this is as far as our engagement for evangelism, just living our Christian lives. But certainly we want to pray with God and make me attentive to folks. We want to listen to people as we engage with them for connection points with their story with, uh, their story with ours, with the gospel. Uh, we want to eat with folks. That's my favorite. Food is a social lubricant, and you get to know people. You swap stories, where you come from. What did you do when you were a kid? You played sports, you, you know, whatever. Well, you get to do, do things. You're building a relationship. The serve, how can I serve them? How can you help them? Can you help them with a project to get at their house? Can you help them with babysitting? Hey, let me and my wife take care of you. Why you take, your kid, take care of your kids while you go out. Is there a way that you can serve them? In the end, sharing your story after that. But it's a process of loving people, building a relationship. It's the blessed strategy. I got a friend who's uh, doing his uh, pastor of a Hispanic church. His church has adopted this. They are blowing it up. It's good stuff. It's a good individual we do in our church with our core groups and stuff. Who, you, who are you blessing this week? Who are you blessing? How are you doing that? This is us in motion. Keeps us fresh. Folks, we can do this. We can do this. We can do this.
this thing called evangelism. Uh, Paul says in Philippians, Paul, excuse me, Paul says in 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, he says, For God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and self-control. It's not in ourselves, we can't do it. But God's spirit in us, again, we can do this. And it gets plumb exciting. It gets exciting. And we don't just live, don't just exist. We get to live when we're doing what God's called us to do. Closing out two verses, uh, the verse Paul, verse you all know all too well. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. It's Christ who empowers us. It's his love that drives us. And life just gets, just gets plumb exciting when you're living on mission with him. First, uh, Philippians 4.13. I'll close with a quote from um, Charles Spurgeon. Had to chase this one down. And, uh, but this one's just good. Charles Spurgeon, uh, church 10,000 members back in the late 1800s over in London. Incredible guy. Incredible guy in a lot of ways. But a passionate for the Lord, passionate for sinners. And he says this, If sinners be damned, at least them leaped, leap to hell over our dead bodies. And if they perish, let them perish with our arms wrapped about their knees, imploring them to stay. If hell must be filled, let it be filled in the teeth of our exertions, and let no one go unwarned, unwarned and unprayed for. So I always say that any time that we listen to God's word and any principles of truth taken from God's word, it compels anyone who's listening to take a step. And that step may be different for all of us, but God's truth and God's grace always calls on us and invites us to take a step forward. You know, we, the message today is on being a blessing to others. Um, to share with others the most important, crucial message that a person could ever hear and should ever accept and embrace with their heart. Um, it may be that there's someone here this morning um, that you personally have not embraced the message. You've heard it. You've heard it today. You heard it last Sunday if you were here. You've heard it at a Bible study along the way. You saw it on a YouTube video somewhere along the line. Um, but you personally have never surrendered your heart or given your life over to this message. And it's such a simple and beautiful story that despite our brokenness and our hopelessness and our despair and uh, the ugliness of our sin and who we are and what we do, that God still loved us. He chose to love us, and so he sent his son and if you're, if you're a parent, just imagine sending your child somewhere for the good of that other person that you're sending your child to, and not just to go on a fun trip, but to go to die. And so the father sent his son, and Scripture says that it pleased him to crush his own son on a cross where he bore our sin that we may have eternal life, that whosoever believes in him would have all guilt and all sin and all shame fully removed and our sins separated as far as the east is from the west and not just spiritual uh, but emotional healing even physical healing is is promised ultimately by God sometimes here and definitely in the hereafter so full total complete shalom healing wholeness wellness completion in every way all to anyone who wants it if you just simply place your faith in this Jesus, this Messiah, this Christ, who loved you sufficiently to give his life on a cross. And like we sang earlier, he didn't just die for your sin, folks. He rose on the third day. 
He proved that he's God Almighty. He proved that he's victor over sin and death and condemnation. He is alive and well. He's coming back one day to restore everything to God's original design. And in the meantime, it is for us to choose to listen and heed this message. So you may be here this morning and you're like, I've never given my life over. I've heard it. I've even understood it, but I've never embraced it. And so if that's you, I would ask that you be blessed today, that you would receive that blessing of mercy from God. But if you are someone who has given their life to Christ, whether it was yesterday or 40 years ago, whenever it may have been, uh, I would say that this message today compels us, reminds us to do what it is that we've known for a long time we should be doing, and that's to be missionaries in this world. Um, a quick reminder, as I lose my notes, um, we planted four and a half years ago. We started as a church, not just to start a new church. Uh, this was our response to God's love. Those that were in the original core group, we had a little saying when we first got started. What are we doing? We're planting a church. But what is it that we're really doing? We're responding to God's love. So what is it we're really doing? We're responding to God's love by helping others to respond to God's love. We are a church plant, and that right there will forever be the basis of why we exist in Anger. We are not a church in the conventional sense. We are a missions organization, and we're here to be the Anger, what Samaritan's uh, purse is to the world, uh, to find avenues and ways individually and together to be conduits of God's grace and to fill every street and every cul-de-sac and every home with the gospel message of Jesus. So if you have received that message, if you've embraced it, the appropriate response is now to be a conduit of it in our lives. So you may be here and God is calling you to start a Bible study in your house, in your neighborhood. Or at work. Or at school. God may be calling you very specifically to actually be intentional about discipling your children and sharing this message with them, not relying on the Sunday school, but to actually disciple your kids. We always talk about frangelism. You make a list of your friends, your friends, your relatives, your associates, and your neighbors. People that you suspect may not have a relationship with Jesus, you make a list of your friends. You pray for them, like we're praying for the 40. And then you ask God, give me the opportunity to be the one that shares the gospel with them and lead them into a saving knowledge of grace. So we want to practice frangelism. We have a food pantry that operates out of our building. They feed over 900 people every month. Hundreds of people come through the back of our building. Um, we've been wanting to start some kind of ministry. So if you're at home during the day, they're only open on Tuesdays and Thursdays between 1030 and noon. To have people here in the building that are willing to stand with them and sit with them and give them some lemonade in the summertime and say, can I pray for you? How can I help you and do a quick devotion maybe? To actually have uh, allow this open door in the back to be a way of ministering to people who clearly need the love of God in their life. It's, it's endless, the opportunities that we have. First, we are a church plant. We are a missions organization. We're here to help people respond to God's love. So if we have received it, there's the only way to live.
So I'm going to ask you, like we do every week, I'm going to ask you to close your eyes and bow your head and just to respond in the privacy of your own heart to what you've heard this morning. And like I said, if you've never received the gospel before, would you say yes to Jesus? Confess your sin to him. Repent of that sin and say, Jesus, I want to know you as my Lord, as my Savior, as my comforter and my helper. Lord, I give my life to you. Is that you today? Just know that Jesus loves you. And God wants to be with you every step of the way, every day of your life. Say yes to him. And for the rest of us, there is this intimidating but wonderful thing that God calls us to be. Ambassadors, fishers of men, missionaries. People who share this incredible news. So would you pray for boldness and opportunities? Would you trust that the Holy Spirit would give you the words in that moment? Because he's promised to do so. Are you here this morning and are you willing to say, Holy Spirit, would you have a monopoly over me? Rule over my heart and my thoughts and my day. Speak to me and help me to heed your direction each and every day. Lord, thank you so much for your grace and your mercy and your forgiveness, for sending your son, Jesus. Thank you for sacrificing yourself and bleeding and dying to save us. And we praise you that you went into that grave, but you did not remain there. And now you're in heaven mediating for us. You've sent your spirit to indwell us, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, and to lead and to guide, to provide and protect, to give strength and to empower. And so I pray that your cause would be furthered right now in the heart of someone who's never given their life to you, Lord, further your cause in them now. Lord, in, embolden us that we would live for the cause, your cause, this gospel message, every moment of every day. And to you be all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.